Welcome to This Must Be The Place, the show that reveals the unique physical, cultural, and emotional layers of places. As those who have followed the podcast know, we are moving to San Sebastián Donostia, Spain. In fact, this has already happened. I am recording this introduction in my flat. But before I made the move across the Atlantic, I had the pleasure of hanging out with two friends who have also undertaken long-term travel and expatriate lifestyles. I wired up three microphones, placed meats, cheeses, and fruits on the table, and plied them with red wine throughout our conversation. They are Rodrigo de Medeiros, who recently undertook a year-long around-the-world trip with his wife and two children, and Carrie Pollard, a marketer by day and writer by night, who recently spent a year in Africa, in Namibia specifically, and an extended time in Alaska and other parts of the world. Some of you might recognize them since they have been on the podcast before sharing their experiences. This time, the format is a little different. I'm not interviewing them in a traditional Q&A format. We are all hanging around, passing the time, and chatting about our experiences. It's a live capture of our conversation, ranging across themes such as planning for long-term travel, the pleasures of living within different cultures, the difficult moments, and, and some more philosophical or, or reflective musings on why we have all chosen to interrupt a typical life, pull up the roots, and how it has all changed us. The conversation is about an hour and a half in length with a musical intermission in the middle. I'll leave that as a surprise. So, all right, let's do this. I give you Carrie, Rodrigo, and me, and why. But I will edit out and you let me just say, I'll let you edit out whatever you want after the No, I don't care. I don't care. I have no filters. (laughs) (laughs) You might want to edit out something that I say. I don't know. (laughs) But life after travel is interesting because that's one of the biggest things to me is like I always felt like I could go for a period of time and go, 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 work, 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 Mm -hmm. you know, really focus. But then after that, I need to refresh, like need to let go of that, not even think about it. And so when I got back, I was like, I can never go back to that structure. 60, 70, 80 hours sometimes a week. I'm like, I cannot function. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing it. And so I was like, I'm not even going to be stressed about it. We can make less money. We can downsize, whatever it is. That's a big thing, right? Less money. I don't need as much money. Yes, exactly. When you figure out that you were just sort of, feeding that thing mm-hmm. the machine yes. without like yes what is this actually giving me mm-hmm. right so i i was like yeah i'm gonna go full-on freelance and i'm gonna choose what i'm gonna do there's a different dynamic when you're a contractor though yes very very much mm-hmm. you're not we're as involved you have a little more freedom a little more uh independence well also there were things i didn't have to think about right you're not mm-hmm. as emotionally invested no definitely and also they had it all sort of laid out right they hired me for a specific job but i know what you mean about less money because in the past two months i haven't had a job in preparation for leaving and i've been taking the bus everywhere now before i used to take car to goes or zip cars Mm -hmm. so it's a difference between you know two dollars fifty cents and fifteen dollars to do a round trip on it and it just builds and you think about it over time if i count in two months taking the bus versus taking the car that's like a month's worth of groceries or a month and a half mm-hmm. worth of groceries mm-hmm. oh, absolutely. in Europe yeah. or what oh, it's, a huge, it's amazing. It's a huge, huge shift. Yeah. It's interesting, like, the times in our lives when we have been the happiest have not been the times that we've had the most money. I mean, having money is nice, 
but it is things like going out to eat or shopping or just not really paying attention to how much things cost. And then when you shift that to, Mm -hmm. I am going to pay attention to how I'm spending my money and how I'm feeling, what I'm doing, then Mm -hmm. it's huge. And it's not that big of a deal. It isn't. Then you realize that you maybe never really needed all that. I know. You're like, what was I doing with all that money? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Starbucks got rich on us. (laughs) It's almost like automatic. The things I used to, I I look at myself in the past, the zip cars, the car to go. Well, I don't have a car to begin with, so that's, that's one thing. Sure. But if I just look at... Okay, I'm going to go to the movie every day. I'm going to go to lunch at a restaurant mm-hmm, or I'm going to go mm-hmm. to dinner two times a week. I'm too lazy to cook. So the amount of money that that has saved in, in two months, it's not just the, the groceries I mentioned before, but now it becomes like a whole month's rent in yeah. San Sebastian. Yes. It's, it adds it up. It shifts your perspective. And oh. then I wonder, you guys came back and, you know, you lived on a budget out there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. How it in, in, in influences what you look at your day-to-day life. Yeah, now. when we came back, for instance, I was like, we have a reserve. We we were we were very cautious. Like when we went out this crazy trip for eleven months, we were like, "All right, we, we have a million dollars." But actually, that's actually not even like close. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a lot less than people think. I I don't know if you add it up, right? But mm-hmm. um, but we were like, yeah, we definitely can't live on this same lifestyle that we had before the trip. Mm-hmm. And the trip actually, we were really cautious. We weren't eating out all the time. I was cooking and we were staying in places longer so we could shop in local markets. So it was all this whole like lifestyle was completely different, right? What I'm curious about that, because I think, okay, we're not going to go out to restaurants every night in San Sebastian, you know, highest Mm -hmm. density of Michelin star. So, okay, we're going to go to supermarkets. We're going to do our thing. But in my mind's eye, when, when I go there, when we go there in a week... That is an experience in and of itself that I look forward to, just embedding myself in that life. But does it, after one or two months, does it just become, oh, I'm just going to the grocery store just like I did in the past and the whole... uh, I think so. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. We did that. And some of you can't pick an experience and say, oh my gosh, I live next to this Michelin star. I'm going to give it a shot. No, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, but it's not like you're going to be doing that (laughs) every night. (laughs) Not every night. But it will, after John and I were talking about this in the car on the way up, how if you're in a place for a certain amount of time, it just becomes your normal. Yes. You, ha- you get into some kind of routine and the things that were new and exciting when you first arrived become every day and commonplace. And then going out to eat at the cafe, mm-hmm. well, it might be more of a treat then. Mm-hmm. And cooking yeah. at home becomes more normal. And what I'm looking forward to, and I don't know if it'll happen because it has a lot to do with my character and my psychology, is that once it goes into the, this is the new normal in Spain, that I will know at a deep down level that the new normal is much more of an improvement than my <laughs> life used to be. Yeah. And then I'll try to figure out ways to extend this beyond the one-year visa. That's my hope, that the new normal that I'm sensing is like an upgrade to life, which in a way is a downgrade in other respects, <laughs> right? But it's an upgrade in the most important respects. That's what I'm hoping will happen to me. But some of my friends say, that's not going to happen to you because no matter where you go, you just have to deal with yourself. So it's just yourself in a different setting. But I don't believe them. How interesting. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think you kind of change a little bit. I think so. I mean, you can't expect that I'm going to become a new person. But I think you do change a little bit. I think so too. And I think you change for the better. Even if you have negative experiences or challenges or whatever, I think you will come back feeling better. Like, and if you don't if, come back. <laughs> and if you don't come, come back. back. <laughs> then you guys can visit. 
Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Get, but, those, get the guest room ready. Definitely. And, and the other thing I thought, too, was like um, when we get into a routine where you are constantly on the go, you're going crazy, you're working so hard. When you step out of that, all of a sudden you're like, wow, that actually made no sense at all. I don't know what <laughs> the heck I was thinking. So many things don't matter. Yes. More time, more flexibility. You want to like enjoy life a little bit more. Right. You know, it's because, you know, time doesn't start for us, right? We keep aging. Yes, no, time and is so constant. And so there are things that you might not be interested in doing at a certain, you know, 20s, 30s, 40s, your priorities change. Um, so you have to, like, seize the day. This whole notion that you are going to work 50 years at a job and wait until you are 65, 7 years old to start enjoying and travel. I'm like, mm-hmm. forget no, that. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. That's propaganda. But if nothing else, I think taking time off to do some kind of long-term travel mm-hmm. is worth it to just give you some perspective about those things. I agree. Because we get on like this hamster wheel of yes. sorts. Yes. And it's an American thing. Mm-hmm. But what's when you step back, like, what am I really working for? What is mm-hmm. all this money for? What yeah. am I doing with my life? Mm-hmm. What is my purpose? What's really bringing me joy? And it might not be the things that you're doing now. In the past two months, it's just a tremendous uh, black and white contrast when I was at, at my previous job thinking about every week in the weekend came up and it was Sunday and I had to think, mm, how are we going to get all those leads through our B2B activity this week? I really have to think about that. And what am I going to do about that client that has this particular complaint? And it really drags into your psychology. It, it tincture. It's a tincture throughout the weekend. It's buried, but it's there, and then it emerges at the end of the week. So your energy is always burned a little bit by those thoughts mm-hmm. over time. Since I've been gone, and maybe this is some people are differently wired, right? I can compartmentalize it out. Yes. I haven't been thinking about that at all. I haven't been yes. thinking about how are they doing or what's happening. And, right. You know, and I don't think it's evil that you're not thinking about it. You just no. jettison and no, you're ready for it. Enough. I think when you yeah. work Monday through Friday, Sundays are like the worst day of the week. Oh, I agree 100%. <laughs> because of that reason. The you impending just, doom. The impending doom of Monday. And that's just very goal-oriented. Mm-hmm. You know, what am I going to accomplish this week? What do I need to do? Yeah, you can get rough. I hate the I hate the prospect of some routine of any kind, really. Um, because it means you're just settling <laughs> into <laughs> something and then shaking it up. It's like hard. I mean, I don't know. But so the shake up needs to be sort of a concept. There's here. some romanticized uh, descriptions out there, like Marcel Proust or a philosopher named Immanuel Kant, who really loved routine, and they did their best creative work according to a set of clockwork routine that they established mm-hmm. themselves. So is it routine that's an issue, or a routine established by some other external perspective? Right. That's, that's a great point. That is a great point. Yeah. It is a great point. Why, think- why, thank you, but you can also criticize me, you know. <laughs> no, that's super, like, that's a good thing to think about. Well, when you so. first started saying that, I was thinking, no, <laughs> routine isn't good. It's but bad. Yeah, but if it's your own, if it's self-imposed, mm-hmm. sort of. And you're doing writing, so I wonder, yeah. you know, there's a, Plato said in order to have creativity, you have to be inspired by the gods. So do you sit around and wait until you're inspired <laughs> by the gods? And Aristotle said, no, not necessarily. <laughs> you have to develop good character habits and set up a routine and... 
creativity is partly a craft that you have to work at. So when you're writing, do you sit around in a couch in Namibia and in Portland and wait until divine inspiration? Or absolutely not. That's a really great idea. I do think there's like a really there's an element of like the muse to creativity. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you guys feel this, but. That doesn't take away the fact that at the end of the day, you have to put your butt in the seat or your head behind the lens or whatever it is. You have to put in the work. You just have to. It's like anything. You have to develop a a craft. And in order to develop a craft, that takes time. Mm -hmm. Discipline. You need to enter into a, a mood of like, yes. I am here to produce something. <laughs> yes. And that's my slight fear about moving to San Sebastián without a specific job. Because in the past two months, I haven't had a job. And I found myself, let's just say 50% of the time, maybe not getting out of the house until maybe noon. Ooh, right? Ooh, so there's a certain <laughs> laziness can take hold if Look, you don't add something to it i work in my pajamas most of the time because <laughs> i work from home so that's amazing mm-hmm. but it's amazing also the amount of uh, amount of um uh, how productive i actually am during that time it's focused effort um and it's so much more i i it's it's kind of astonishing how much more i produce not having that pressure. I mean, I still have, I still work for, I, small, I work for a small production company. And we, yeah, we have, uh, you know, we have videos, I travel, we have to do pre-production. There's and deadlines that. and there are whatever, deadlines. yeah. Yes, but there is some discipline, really. Mm-hmm. Um, we still work with those things. There's just basic operatives, like we have to like, you know, we still have clients and stuff. But, but there is something to be said about you setting your own pace mm-hmm. and being in charge of that, you know what I'm saying? Without right. somebody bringing down your neck. Mm-hmm. You just have this awareness that yeah yeah I have discipline I have things I have to do and stuff but you're, but it's not this constant like bounding yeah. on you you're the master of that yes. and your like body like your mind has its own rhythms that might not align to the nine to five rhythms yeah. that are there and hopefully you have a the kind of relationship with your work current working environment mm-hmm. where if you have a burst that happens to you between I'm just going to make stuff up mm-hmm. four and seven p.m. Mm-hmm. and six and eight a.m. Mm-hmm. Those bursts can be accommodated because that's that's the way your rhythm works, mm-hmm. and that's that would be great to find an arrangement that is like that. Yeah, man, mm-hmm. I've been I, lucky, definitely. When creativity, I think it you can't. It's really hard to put it in a box of nine to five. Agree. You know, and I think that's where thinking about okay, is it uh, a routine that's imposed on me? Well, you can't really. That's just not uh, how creativity works. Mm-hmm. You know. So if you can impose your own, then you know what works for you. You're going to be entering into a really interesting time because Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have creative pursuits that you're thinking about Mm -hmm. accomplishing while you're Mm -hmm. taking this time. But uh, like what I'm working on now has no deadline, Mm -hmm. has no structure. I have to impose my own deadlines, my own structure if I want to get anything done. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of nice for you to be able to have – this creative outlet where you're still you still have um, confines to work within yes, yes. and constraints. It's super helpful. Mm-hmm. And I know you do your own stuff too, but it's like that's presents an own, its own interesting set of challenges and creative, you know. Yeah, definitely. 
Yeah. Um, to- and I do think about it because if I didn't have these kind of uh, outlets in my mind, then I would turn into basically the big Lebowski of San Sebastian, right? <laughs> Staying in my robe until four and going out and surfing, which I might still do actually. Still do. But I mean, this podcast, um, getting my video skills improved. Nice. Yes. Rodrigo, I'm Very looking nice. at you. Very nice. Uh, photography and finding people in the region that are willing to get in front of a microphone, in front of a video camera, just getting you know, investigative journalism, if you will, and finding those folks and talking to them in Spanish or English. Definitely not Basque, because I'm not going to learn that. <laughs> so that'll keep me uh, grounded uh, and looking. But I do not want to always be at that pursuit. I really am taking seriously the complete unclenching of the body and the mind for at least a good period of time. Excellent. Um, I, I want to see what that does to me and if it turns me into the big Lebowski, then I'll have self-knowledge <laughs> about know. who I really am. <laughs> um, but what's interesting, I want to go back to what you were talking about, Rodrigo, about working with people and how when there are problems, it doesn't turn into a crisis. It doesn't turn into anxiety-producing events. And we talked about this actually outside of the podcast a little bit. There are certain, certain work environments where the need to show that you're adding value is part of the culture. So if there's a whole bunch of people around and, and you're there and you're not saying anything or you're not doing something or you make an error, if the immediate first hit that somebody has looking at you is to interpret that as, aha, as a gotcha, then that's what makes a working environment really suck, right? But if it's a, okay, let's figure that out. Let's figure out why we're having an issue and, and you're all getting together and openly discussing what's going wrong and how do we fix it. Without that kind of, aha, where's the value you add, et cetera, gotchas, et cetera. That's what adds angst. It's and, true. And yeah. I feel like, you know, part of it is the industry we're in, right? Yes. Like, it's everybody's huge egos, guys. Come on. So Everybody many wants to leave egos. their mark. <laughs> you know, it must be done a certain way. I must put my finger in it. And sometimes the worst possible thing that can happen is when you work with people who don't trust what you're doing. So why the heck were you hired to do that job if nobody trusts you and you have to be micromanaged? So it's like all of a sudden it's this like vicious circle of like toxicity, right? People are just like out to get you instead of like, hey, let me help you do this or mm-hmm. let's collaborate, you know? Yeah. And the problem also is like the whole production line mentality of here, Carrie, you're going to project manage this now. Now pass the ball to the producer and then the producer is going to pass the ball to the creative people. And I can't be like that. We all have to interact. We all have to talk about it. We all mm-hmm. have to. It affects everybody who is in a project, let's say, right? And it's actually a, a horrible thing because there's so much that comes, I feel, from people like just being open mm-hmm. and honest and say, we have these problems. Maybe you have a good solution for it. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's over over compartmentalized, I guess, in a mm-hmm. way. Like, yeah. This is your job. Very siloed. Yes, siloed. Mm-hmm. This is my job. Well, there's there's two ways to think about it. There's the Industrial Revolution gave us the mechanized means of production where everybody's in an assembly line and has a very specialized action, and then managers are there to make sure that every single widget, part of the widget-making process works. And there's some sort of weird inertia where that keep that model keeps on going into the so-called creative or knowledge economy, which seems strange, right? And that's where a lot of yeah. Why are we doing that? Because we all have that sort of hybrid mentality, especially in the industry we're in. So that's one problem. And I think the the other problem, 
paradoxically is we're over specialized there's this guy and, and i'll write it in the i'll put it in the podcast notes who says we are in the age of bullshit jobs yes <laughs> especially over-fluffed in the knowledge and tech stuffed. yeah overfluffed overcompartmentalized everybody needs to add their little amount of value and we just read some of the job titles that are available on linkedin so ridiculous. they're ridiculous <laughs> So ridiculous. I don't even understand what this job is. I'm I like, need to read the job description. <laughs> what you're oh, hearing is wine pouring, by the way. <laughs> Through an aerator. No, it's from like serving coffee to having a PhD. Like, what are you doing? It's an aerator. It makes the wine taste better. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about expectations. Sounds a little bit like a duck that's in <laughs> it trouble. Like a duck. <laughs> okay, maybe that part is not right going to go to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. You're going to like it. I never paid attention to the narrator had made this sound. <laughs> it's a bit of a sad, sad, you know sad duck working. sound. Rodrigo, what is this? Well, let me... <laughs> lost my train of thought. Well, like, let me like, move it away from it working. It's like a marmalade thing. It's a quince paste. It's a quince Spanish paste. quince paste. It's kind of like a sugary fruit. You're going to enjoy that sugar and then hopefully you won't it's crash really too cheese. soon. That's really good. We have, for those who are not with us, meats and cheeses and wines and fruit because this was meant to be a conversation sort of a symposium in the ancient greek tradition socratic tradition of a symposium wow uh, which meant getting together and getting drunk and doing other things but that won't happen you're such a philosopher it's very official when you say it that way it does <laughs> well if you read what happened in socratic symposiums you'll see it wasn't very official someone will ask me what i did on saturday and i said i was just i was at a symposium mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. So l- let me go away from you know the working conditions, <laughs> etc. Yes. We talked about that for days. Let's yes. talk a little bit about how others reacted to your decision to pull up the roots. Uh, did you have skepticism? Is it something that forces others to reflect and cause them to think about their own life choices, and therefore there's a little resentment that gets flicked back at you because you're you're running against the the grain? What was it like when you announced and? to people that this was happening, even. So, everybody thought we were crazy, for the most <laughs> part. <laughs> what, are you uprooting your family? And your, what are you gonna do with your house? All these like questions, of course, again. What are you gonna do with your job? Oh my God, how are you gonna make money? You know, I mean, because we are all creatures of habit and there's, yes. of course, in everyone's minds, there's like this structure, there's a way, there's a, you know, your lifeline. This is how it's supposed to be. There's a script. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a script. Yes. Exactly. Keep adding to your 401k. Why are you interrupting it now? Why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. You know, what are you going to do when you retire? Mm-hmm. How is it going to be to your career? I'm like, oh, my God, seriously. I just need a break. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was there was some skepticism. But, you know, my wife is a super pragmatic person. Thank God. Because otherwise, I don't even know. Because I'm like the artist. <laughs> and she's like, thank God, super rational. You know, and like, no, 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 we have goals. So she, her answers, of course, were a lot more like, you know, structured in a way. Like, no, 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 we have a plan. Started with that. We have a budget. <laughs> she chose all the perfect words to like describe. This is not just on a whim. She's a project manager. She also, is right? a project manager. <laughs> yeah. And I have to say on her, you know, to praise her really, is that she had a budget. And I'll tell you what, we were like right there on the budget. The difference when we came back, it was like, I'm not going to say pennies, but it was like very little. Plus or minus 10%. It was very little. It was even less than that. I I don't even know. I was was completely aghast. I couldn't believe how close we were to our goal. And we came back, we had a reserve. It's not like we were completely like, oh my gosh, we're houseless. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do with the kids? Like, no. But it was some skepticism. And a lot of it was to do with 
first of all, like, oh my gosh, you're leaving your jobs. Right. You're crazy. This is how are you going to get back into the market? Blah blah blah. And then the kids. Marco was in sixth grade, and Bella was. Um, I mean, see, she was in high school, and so. Oh, what's gonna what what's it gonna do to their development? Oh, they're gonna have problems when they come back and try to adjust. And well, yeah, we all had to adjust when we came back. But I'll tell you that even today we see the you know the the great positive impact of making that decision. We just really needed to reset. And that's really a difference between you and Carrie and I, the kids, the family dynamic you, your area of responsibility is is huge er it's a lot huger yeah. than ours well, yeah. no well it's just it's it's just look at it like a this is going to sound horrible like i'm diminishing the kids but no it's a, it's a, it's just extra variable you're you like cats consider. they'll adjust wherever well, they are terrible. like you know we have to think about that we have a dog we're like yeah. oh my gosh what are we going to do with pablo actually it was even more like we can take the kids with us but i'm like what's going to happen to the poor Vishon Puda, what we're going to do with him. <laughs> but, you know, we had a plan for everything. And, but, you know, the funny thing is you you got to plan some of it, but you have to leave some of it to happenstance. But there is skepticism because it's very unusual, I suppose. People think that somehow your life's going to be broken. Mm-hmm. You know, you put a stone in the way. Yeah. Now, you know, you can't. Somehow a year later, all of your knowledge of the industry you work in is going to evaporate because so much happens within a year that yeah. you're going to be behind the times. You're going to be obsolete. Damaged you're going to be goods. You know, you're going to be you're iPhone goods. 6 instead of iPhone yeah. X or whatever you're isolated. you are. You're completely <laughs> isolated from society, right? I'm like, this is a global, a global like uh, society we live in, you know, now. And, Orson and Welles once said that, you know, the whole notion of, of being an expert in your craft is ultimately bullshit. He said, give me 200 <laughs> hours and, and I can do as good a job as anything. Of course, he was a, a bit of a genius, but I believe that in a way. I mean, Just luckily, give people, com- you know, concentrated time and they'll be fine. Sorry. Right. Luckily, we work in an industry that is very, it values that, large, you know, to a huge degree, right? God, I hope so. Human <laughs> experience and things like that. But also, it's an industry where you don't really need to know a trade per se. Agreed. It's not as if we have to take a test every year to renew our knowledge of the thing that we do every day. Mm-hmm. It's true. So exactly. we're fortunate well, in Sometimes that it's bullshit. It's oh, totally. what's, what's the trend this year in marketing? Oh, it's content marketing. Okay, let me figure out what people are talking right. about content marketing. That's going to be expired in three months anyway. So <laughs> fine. <laughs> what am I going to talk about for the next three months? Um, I was just talking to someone about Uh, you know, jumping back into working at a digital agency. And I thought, oh, it's been a couple of years since I worked in digital. I don't know if I can do it. And they said, oh, no, you can absolutely do it. It's not changed that much. And and I thought, you know, they're right. It is is a bunch of bullshit. No, no, to be completely honest, when I tell people, told people that this is going to happen, a lot of people were supportive, mostly people who have done it in the past or people of a certain, (laughs) you know, younger generation actually was the inspiration in part. You guys and the younger generation, there was somebody who worked at um, GLG. I won't name her, but she took, she went to Thailand for a year and then she came back and said, okay, I'm ready for a job. I'll take a job here. And now I'm going to go to Europe and climb rocks for a year. And then I'm going to come back and take a job. And damn it, I can be a friggin' millennial, even though I don't fit in that generation. So that's, are you not a millennial? You're just on the, no, I'm not. Are you Jen? Do I look that young? You're not kidding. I think you could be on the cusp a little bit. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> you should just tell people you are. But there are some responses, just it. to be honest, which are 
Passive aggressive, and we're in the Pacific Northwest, so that shouldn't be surprising. But <laughs> it's reflected in everything, even in driving. In it's driving. in the sense of, oh, you slacker. You, not right. that they say that, but there's a certain arching of the eyebrow or mm-hmm. a hmm, interesting. Um, you weren't that do? serious yeah. about the career to begin with if you're going to do this, aren't you? Where's your arc? Or? You're throwing it out. Mm-hmm. You put all this effort for 10 years, and now you're just going to totally trash it by going mm-hmm. on this crazy adventure you don't mm-hmm. even know what's gonna happen right. i'm like well that's the beauty of it how are you gonna get a job when you get back i sure yes. hope you're gonna be able to find mm-hmm. something the metaphor i use is if you grab a cat <laughs> and you raise it in the air and turn it upside down and then just release the cat they are built you know just physically to just twist and land on their feet anyway yes. so Every that's time. i'm a cat i'm a jungle cat i'm a jungle cat <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm hoping will happen when i come back i'll just you are a jungle cat why thank you're you you're a fierce that's jungle cat that's hilarious. That's i love it i love the analogy i don't know i'm all i i mean of all the all three of us here i think i was the most scaredy cat in terms really? of like Ooh. i think so too i think people have a perception of me of being like out there and whatever but i was you like you seem very adventurous to me it's very yeah. Hmm. Not with the idea of the adventure itself, but with, uh, yes, those things. I'm a first, you know, I'm a first child, essentially. I had, you know, younger siblings and stuff. So I think the sense of responsibility and stuff, of course, it was like lingering there right now. But the fact that, you know, Gretchen and I have these very similar goals, like having a partner who's like supporting you and we're completely 100% on board with that. Um, That was all I needed. I'm like, this is the most important thing in my life essentially, to have this partner who, you know, agrees with me that we need to reset. We were completely right. 100% in agreement that we right. had to do it. Um, she always had the bug of traveling. And so I was like, yeah, I'm ready. If she's ready, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going. You do and, get a lot of, like, resistance, though, yes. right? When you tell people about it. And it's so important to have a partner that supports you because yeah. you could start doubting yourself. Yes. If you didn't have that person next to you saying, Screw those guys. Just We're going to do it anyway. Yes. People judge you. It's like a horrible so thing. That <laughs> is interesting because it's important to visualize yourself at the end of what you're doing and having that partner or having that support and having that constancy after the fact mm-hmm. is a significant percentage of regardless of how it shakes out, I'll still have that partner or that yes. support at the end, which is a very important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But K- Carrie and I are different than you, Rodrigo, because you went to many different destinations mm-hmm. with a whole gaggle of Yes. Wife and kid, woman kid and man kid, yes. whatever they're called. Yeah, we don't have those. We units. don't have those. <laughs> those units. It's weird. And I'm going to be in, and you actually were in one spot. You were in Namibia mm-hmm. for a year. I'm going to be in San Sebastián oh, at least so for a year. But you were dotting the, the, the damn earth. That sounds more stressful. I thought me. the kids would be more excited to actually have a little bit more motion than just planting ourselves in one place. Mm-hmm. And I guess that was the thing. I'm like, let's just go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's keep going. Let's keep going. And it was wonderful, you guys, because I don't know. Now I'm like thinking, I don't know how long I'm going to have to wait to like do it again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel that way too. Are you, ready for are you thinking of doing another one of those many destinations over a period of time or... I don't know. So we um, couldn't do a lot because actually 11 months is really not that much. It goes by fast. It mm-hmm. does. And there's so many places you want to go and see and stuff, right? I know. So maybe the next time we go, there will be less variables to think about. It might actually be just Gretchen and I, I think, at this point. Like, mm-hmm. But I'm not sure exactly what we're going to do. I, don't, I haven't been to Asia very much. 
You know, I've been to Singapore, for instance, but um, I would like to go to Japan. I've never been to Japan oh, or yeah. Indonesia know, yeah. or Thailand. I mean, I yeah, there's so much more to see, you know. So that might be what we do. And I want to go to places where I can actually really live frugally. I would love to just, you know, mm-hmm. be at a bungalow at the beach. I mean, honestly. Mm-hmm. But why well, fight? Hopefully. <laughs> but, <laughs> so it shows I, your place then. There's so much yes. infrastructure there. Yeah, there with is. technology especially. It's fascinating. And so I'm like, yeah, there's, oh, there's so much to do but still. That's such an important point. I think about a back in when I was in graduate school, I watched this movie in a theater with a girlfriend at the time. It was called Damage and it had Jeremy Irons and Juliette Binoche. Juliette Binoche, yes. yes. And Jeremy Irons was, I think, a <laughs> member of the government and he had this affair with Juliette Binoche. It was a huge scandal and he ended up lonely in a spanish town exiled from the british government and the last scene of the movie was him walking in sort of worn sandals and clothes with a bag where he had his cheese and his cured meat and he's going into his (laughs) hut and we're looking at this and thinking that's what we want we want a scandal (laughs) we want that so i wonder part of uh what this causes is a self-knowledge i'm placing myself in conditions Mm -hmm. which force me to understand myself better because i can think right now in a privileged point of view that i'll be fine and i can think of that and romanticize myself i'll Mm -hmm. be fine in those sort of conditions and I'll yeah, force myself to try that. But then again, I'm going to San Sebastián. And, know. you know, it's, it's a bit privileged. But um. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's true. I think long-term travel or any kind of travel does cause you to reflect like that. And you are outside of your element. Mm-hmm. So there's that piece of it. You're not with your culture. Mm-hmm. You're not with your people. So those things are taken away. And all you have is you and your partner potentially and your family if that's right. who you're with. Right. And this little bubble – of things is really all you have to relate to at that mm-hmm. moment. And so, of course, you're going to have self-reflection. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that is what happens. I'm super curious about something, actually, if you don't mind. Because you went to Namibia, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's like what I did. I mean, my, my family and I, we didn't go anywhere. I mean, the most remote place we went was South Africa. And I'm telling you that South Africa and Africa are very different. Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> we're talking like... Bellevue and the Atacama Desert. I mean, it's like very different. <laughs> and so it's like, I think there is a huge difference there because um, we didn't step out of our comfort zone, if you think about it. Everywhere we went, everything was pretty standard, I guess, in terms of like infrastructure and stuff. I mean, I, I wonder how different it is when you actually might go to a place that is so different from your country of origin right right, right. Where you have these complete different conditions and culture and language and everything i mean it's just everything like, is curious. different it was really interesting because we did we went to the place that was in all the ways completely the opposite of here wow you know it's the not only the climate the geography the people the mm-hmm. language the culture everything is different and it was really interesting um at times it was very painful um African culture, not to generalize, but Namibian culture in particular is just like uh, they run a different schedule and um, things are done in a different way. If you need to have something done, there's maybe 10 steps Mm -hmm. to get it done and not one. Um, And then the way people interact with each other and the the expectations that people have of each other is just different. And then there's there's not uh, infrastructure Mm -hmm. like we have here. Um, And you just appreciate things more here after that experience we appreciated being able to come home and 
not have the government be breathing down our necks about everything, hmm. to be able to have infrastructure, to be able to, you know, have all the things that we appreciate that we don't think about. So let me press on that point a little bit and ask you, because I'm curious, because it's going to happen to me, what happened in Namibia or any other travel or you as well, Rodrigo, that caused a breaking point either for the good or for the bad in you? Can you think of a moment that caused a sort of moment of, I learned something about myself because I've broken down because I in this particular situation or you're even keel or it could go the other way. Something yes. that you learned about yourself that was really amazing. And you thought, wow, I didn't know I was this kind of person and I'm much better for it. Mm -hmm. I do have a really interesting story to oh, tell you. Please. Guys. I want to hear uh -oh. it. I Hang hear on. It. I want to hear it. Which it's really not that <laughs> oh, crazy, God, but for us, it's a little crazy. We it's like, you can't even expect sometimes some of these things are going to happen. Right? <laughs> Wait, this we're, is funny. We're, no, we're, you can't. All right. So let's let's hear Carrie's story. So we had bought this car this little car, and we took it on a road trip. In Namibia. It, we bought it in South Africa. In South Africa. So we were still okay. in South Africa. And right. we'd taken this road trip on the Garden Route, which is like this coastal I drive. It. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> and we came back to Cape Town, and we thought, we'll just, we'll just wing it. We'll find a place to stay. We'll stay at the same hotel we've been staying at. It will be fine. And we got there. And everything was booked. We went to the hotel. It was booked. We, it was really difficult to get internet. So we didn't have phones yet. And we just couldn't find a place to book on the internet. So we were just kind of like driving aimlessly around oh, Lord. Cape Town. On the other side of the road. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we, we'd figured that out but by I then. I can't do, I can't do that. But we had everything we owned, you know, in the car with us. And we couldn't just like leave it somewhere because there's a lot of crime there. Mm -hmm. And um, so we, were, we drove around for hours trying to find a place to stay. And then we found out that there was an Eminem concert that night. Oh, my gosh. And all of the hotels were booked. Mm. Of all things, an Eminem concert. <laughs> and so we ended up, uh, like, driving around until we drove into, like, the nicest neighborhood we could find. And we parked our car and we slept in our car. Mm. And it was terrible. We had, like, this terrible fight, uh, my husband and I. And... We and it was just very stressful. It was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. It was dark, and there is a really insane crime was in South Africa. Town? It was in Cape Town. Okay, yeah. There's some areas. There's some very town. very dodgy areas yeah. where there's a lot of crime, and we were just we just didn't we weren't as familiar as we are now sure. with with where we were, and so we ended up sleeping in the car, and it was fine, but. It was interesting to see how that made me feel because I really like things to be known. I really like to plan things out and mm -hmm. I really like to know what's going to happen next. And, you know, over the last couple of years, I've been able to reflect on that a lot because I've been able to sort of loosen up on that. Mm -hmm. But at that time, I was just so yeah. wound up about, oh, my God. Where are we going to sleep tonight? And that's qualitatively different from flight cancellations, right? Or flight right. delays. No, right. that, you're in an different. airport, you're fine. Yeah, you're in a car with all your belongings, sleeping in a neighborhood in a completely different country. My yeah. life's the same way, right? Right. And then the interesting thing that happens after, I've been married for like 22 years, whatever. So it's like, but there's this interesting symbiosis where, you know, I have negative things. I mean, it almost is the opposite of that, right? Mm -hmm. She likes, she said, look, it's not that I'm not okay with the plan changing. I'm totally 100% okay, but I need to have at least an idea of what is happening so that right. then I can change it. If I could have prepared myself mentally, I'm going to sleep in the car tonight mm, in definitely. a parking lot, Yes, I then I could, I, I could figure it out. But it's things like that. 
that I think when you travel, like we've all mm-hmm. done and like what you're going to do, mm-hmm. you just become a little bit more flexible. A little more flexible. Yeah. You kind of go with the flow a little bit more because <laughs> because you have to. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my flow is going to be much more privileged than sleeping in a car, I think. I, I got the <laughs> hey, visa. don't speak so soon. <laughs> the way you never I, know. I, <laughs> true. The way I think it could happen is the visa is supposed to be for a year, which will give me access to Spain and, and the European Union. But if that falls through, then we only have 90 days in right. Spain, and then we're going to have to start doing the Schengen dance, where we jump to either Ireland or Croatia oh, for 90 days and come back. And, and it sounds fine. so bad. Yeah, it's right? Actually, not bad at all. Croatia. Yeah. Beautiful. Of all well, of the things to have a problem with, that's not that's the worst amazing. thing. That's amazing. Yeah. But I'll let you know if I slept in a car or you know, please didn't do. have a shower for two weeks. But what about you, Rodrigo? What was I, the? I have one story. I think. I think that, you maybe have more than one, but I love. Yeah, would love to hear this one. But this one is just because I, I, it made me think what about about what you said about adapting and trying to sort of like. Wow, we didn't plan for this very well, but here we are. <laughs> it's <laughs> happening. Kind of have to deal with it. Uh, <laughs> when we were in Argentina, we decided to um, take a road trip. This was not necessarily something we planned. Our thing was like, well, we're going to go to Buenos Aires and we're going to stay there for a few because I love that city. Love it. There's so much to do and see and stuff. And we're like, yeah, but then we need to we need to go to Estancia. We need... Let's try to go to Patagonia. We're going to go to Mendoza. We just really knew that there were things in that month we were in Argentina we wanted to do, right? But we had not really planned for it. It's not part of your plan. It wasn't necessarily part of the, you know, all the logistics of how do, how are we going to rent a car? Can I actually rent a car and drive 5,000 kilometers? <laughs> like, you know, what is the story, right? So, you know, we decided we were going to do it. And we're like, okay, we need to find a car that is big enough for all of our crap. Five mm-hmm. people, five yes. big bags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, we had like about 10 volumes, actually. Because it was like the bag with the big stuff. But not my camera bag. And, you know, the kids had, you know, their date bags, whatever. So we were like, wow, yeah, we need to find, like, a car big enough. Holy crap. So that was the first problem. As you know, like in South America and everywhere, it's really hard if you can't find like an envoy or, you know, you can't really find a big SUV. You have to really understand that when they say, oh, yeah, Five people fit in this car. That could be a Fiat. <laughs> I mean, honestly, their their idea of like comfort and fitting and all that is very different than ours, right? We were like sort of psychologically prepared. So I was like, let's try to find the po- biggest possible car <laughs> that we can snag and go. And so... Oh, my gosh. So we're, like, excited. We're going to hit the road and stuff. So there were a few things that happened. First of all, Argentinians drive like crazy people. But um, I was like, we're going to go. And then we had this idea of, okay, we will look at a map. And we will be like, you know, okay, so it's about 100 kilometers, let's say. Just that's. But, you know, you have to understand that also the roads are different. The conditions of the roads are not the same. So all of a sudden, those... 100 kilometers, and you're trying to calculate, oh, yeah, I can probably do that, you know, in a couple hours, maybe, or maybe an hour and a half, something like that. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> then you have to understand sometimes the roads are not there anymore. This road doesn't exist. So we had to go through sometimes towns and try to find our way back to the road. So it was really, really difficult. It was a lot more challenging than we experienced. So, so much so that there were days... I remember this one stretch of road that it just kept going. <laughs> and I'm like, I see the mountains. This is the Andes. Like, this is our reference. <laughs> but it just kept going for like 10 hours. I am not joking. 
that we drove and the kids were freaking out. Everybody had cabin fever inside this car. But I'm just like, the last thing I want in my life is to be stranded in the middle of Patagonia or whatever. <laughs> Going somewhere where I don't even know when it's gonna end. And like, what if you run out of gas? Right. Oh, so gas, <laughs> and you know, what if there's a, a you know a tire? Can you imagine this is an SUV? Okay, I know how to change a tire, of course, but I have to take everything out of the car so I can reach to find the spare. You know, so I'm thinking of all these scenarios, right? And then this like really sketchy grocery store slash deli slash Seven Eleven that you didn't quite know you it was safe for you to eat. So I'll tell you what. There were a lot of green apples, Great. a lot of salami, and a lot of Pringles. That's all I can say. Yep. It's in a sealed bag. Yep. I trust yep. it. Well, <laughs> we ate that for probably, I don't know, 10 days <laughs> when we were on the road. To this date, I don't think my daughter can look at a box, like a, you know, a little that can Pringle. of Pringles <laughs> without having her stomach. Well, that might be a good thing. Well, let me tell you, I haven't done this yet, but here's what I am worried about. We're traveling with two cats. Oh, boy. One of the cats is 18 years old. She was born oh. She was born in 1999. I call her my three decades to millennia cat. Yes. Wow. The cat was diagnosed with congestive heart failure and thyroid issues back in 2014 and takes nine pills, ear gel, B12 shots, potassium supplements, and I forget what else. She's still going. She's a zombie cat, basically. Yeah. Every, yeah. <laughs> twice a day, we give her all this medication, and she keeps on taking. She has a great quality of life. So You're she, sure she's alive? Yeah. Well, she's a zombie cat, right? We Define keep her alive, right. right? You know the 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 Dutch boy that keeps fingers in the dam and <laughs> that's what we're doing with this cat, right. basically. So now we're traveling nine hours to Frankfurt, two and a half hours from Frankfurt to Madrid, and then forty five minutes from Madrid to to San Sebastian with this wow. cat. That's so crazy. we are preparing ourselves emotionally and mentally for the fact that somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic, in the middle of the European continent, we look down at the carrier and we have a stiff cat in our hands. Oh my <laughs> and what do we do? Do we have to declare that in customs in Frankfurt, that we have a dead cat that we're going to carry around? Do we carry the dead cat all the way to the Basque country and, oh, and have, have a Basque to. burial? I think you would have yes, to. a Basque yes. burial. Yeah. I think so too. So um, that's what I'm preparing myself mm -hmm. right now as the first potential okay. traumatic event that might happen. That sounds like travel. a really huge sort of like... <laughs> I said, what a way for that cat to go out. Yeah. I suppose so. I mean, yeah. Crossing the Atlantic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have said you should travel. put her to sleep before you travel, but I said, no, I have to give her a chance. I've been with her 18 right. years so too. of her she life, and she's fine. She has a good quality of life now. So, Didn't you tell me that yeah. Frankfurt actually has a vet yes. or something? The airport? That's why we chose this. We chose Lufthansa. And we chose this particular route because Frankfurt has a full vet facility and a, like a field for cats and dogs to roam wow. in between connections. It's a very nice airport. That's <laughs> I didn't know there was a vet. Yeah. That's amazing. So that's, that's we amazing. chose it. But the point of this is not how amazing the vet facility is, but rather what could be that sort of emotional breaking point that happens during that travel and that's i haven't done this yet you guys have done that experience but that's the experience that i'm bracing myself for yeah there will be many of those moments i agree yeah, yeah. no but you're in an interesting spot because you like you know where you're gonna stay uh -huh. you know how long you're gonna stay roughly and mm -hmm. you have a lot of known quantities where um, it sounds like when you guys went on that road trip it was like not planned so you don't know and we did basically when we met, went to namibia our plans ended in Cape Town, mm -hmm. and then everything after that was just, you know, up for in grabs. Mm -hmm. 
And so when you wade into that territory, it's、mm-hmm. it's a whole different style of traveling that it, you know,、yeah. just need to shift gears a little bit to be in that frame of mind. And you know that it might happen. So it's、yeah. not like you're going to be 100% unprepared、mm-hmm. for the event. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for the cat. I really, <laughs> I really want to hear that. Well, I want that cat to live a life in Spain. This、yes. is my last podcast in Seattle. So the next podcast you'll hear will be produced in San Sebastian. So it's a cliffhanger. Everybody just hang on. And, I was going to say, you know, we need to subscribe. Tune in to hear the update. We really need to know. I want、happen. your cat to live like the retired life. Her, you know, is it a girl or a boy cat? It's a girl cat. She's going to live her last couple of years as an exotic expat in、so、Spain.、Awesome. And mm-hmm. That's you know. beautiful.、Yeah. You're right.、What、I think my、go? wife secretly is hoping that she dies in San Sebastian so that when we come back, we can import a Basque dog because she wants a dog. <laughs> okay, it makes sense. I mean, that's beautiful. We are, I'm going to be rooting for the cat big time.、Mm-hmm. I need to know that she makes the, the flight. This is Unit 9. This is Unit 9. Escuche esta conversación. Well. Stay tuned to future episodes to find out how the cats fared, since all future episodes will now be coming to you from Donosti. That's the Basque name for San Sebastian, by the way. This is a little break from the conversation, an intermission of sorts. In it, I will play a song by the Peculiar Pretzelmen, a Seattle based band who describe themselves as voodoo priests of swampy blue stomp and dirty jazz freakout. This is Burn Your House Down.
That was Burn Your House Down by the Peculiar Pretzelman. You can find more about them at pretzelman.bandcamp.com. In fact, one of them was on this podcast a few months ago, talking about his Dark Cabaret show, The Anthology of Erotic Esoterica. Check that out. So, okay, back to Carrie and Rodrigo. We join them as Rodrigo circles a table, considering which meats and cheeses to sample. There's a lot of meat here still. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. We'll be fine. I was concerned about Carrie and her long trip. I know. From Thank you. Yeah, park I like... You, not so much. You just come yeah. from the east side. Just here. Yeah. So I want to talk, actually, you know, part of the, the motivation for having this symposium, this, you know, wine and meat and cheese and free-form discussion was to get honesty and just to, you know, extract that honesty oh, from boy, people who have more. done the travel. Ooh, real talk. <laughs> What connection is there behind being disposed to drop a settled life to become a transient or an expat or whatever you want to call it? And your personality or character, do you view yourself as more carefree, less swayed by a typical life narrative, more impulsive, more passionate? You did this. So there must have been something in your character already that was a little unmoored. And I mean that in a positive way. Mm -hmm. um, or is that right? Or... Has what you have done even unmoored you even more? I mean, how, what's the what's the connection between choosing to do this and who you are fundamentally? Wow! <clears throat> Tell us about your mornings. Yeah. That's very psychology <laughs> going on. You want wine, Rodrigo? Yeah, I'm sure. We'll, wow. we'll get the duck out. I've always been a little unhinged, man. I mean, I feel like everybody who has <laughs> ever known unhinged. me or worked with me, he goes a duck. It's so disturbing. This is a bit disturbing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I've always been a little bit unhinged. In a good way. It, it, well, yeah. Like I like I like change. Right. I like change. I like adventure. I like looking at new things, learning new things constantly, right? So I actually almost the the thought of being sort of like stuck feeling like i'm stuck in a you know whatever it is like you know in a job in a relationship you know in a situation mm -hmm. something i can't get out of i really need the idea that i can step out of the situation that i'm not pleased with you know um so i guess so so traveling i th i think kind of came naturally you know and mm -hmm. in gretchen like i said my wife is she's always loved traveling right and so the fact that the two of us had this in common, I think, made it possible for us to identify, oh boy, this routine is not working. We need to sort of like shake it up. Mm -hmm. And I think traveling, first of all, it's one of the best ways, I think, for you to reset, to go get yourself somewhere where you are not 100% familiar with and you're trying to experience something new and letting things kind of happen. So it has made me just a little bit more not unhinged or... <laughs> Unmoored. Unmoored. There you go. <laughs> but like more open. I feel like this has reflected in everything that I do actually daily. The way I even talk to clients. Right. You know, I mean, I feel like I'm so much more open and so much, much more comfortable <clears throat> with changing the plan or adapting or being more nimble or understanding that those things are fine. It's not the end of the world. Nothing has to be 100% right and perfect all the time. Mm -hmm. You have to just... Mm -hmm. Let things kind of happen. So I feel like it just solidified 
this sense of you need to be open to life. Mm. It's age too. I mean, I won't lie. I'm getting Carrie, a little older, and so I'm more mature now. That you're 25 and, now, Carrie, I mean, right? <laughs> did you become more unmoored, or were you always unmoored and a wild and crazy person? I think I became more unmoored, but but since I was a kid, I wanted to travel, and I grew up in a really small town, rural America, and so uh, I just wanted to see everything since I was really young, and. Uh, in a small town, that's not really a thing. No. Necessarily. It's not even a, an option, right? Yeah, it's just kind of the classic small town story, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and when I started traveling in college really seriously, you know, outside of the U.S., I realized, okay, this is, this is what I want to do. I want to do more of this. I want more of this. And then um, when John and I started traveling together – He'd never really traveled a whole lot either, and then he started feeling that way. And we have a similar dynamic to you and Gretchen. Like he is a very free spirit, and I'm sort of a little bit more of a, a, a pragmatist, you know. And that's good. And it's, it, it <laughs> it's makes balanced. for a really great combination. Yeah. Um, but I think us having those experiences together and coming back um, has made me a better person. Of course. Uh, and, and yeah, it's unmoored me even further. It really reinforces this idea of that, the fact that nothing is constant. Yes. And everything is changing all the time. And we shouldn't hold on to anything mm-hmm. so tightly. Um, Agreed. Right. And and it's just, it, it opens up all of the possibilities. It really just sort of explodes everything. Like, I don't need a nine to five job. Mm-hmm. We don't need to live here forever. We could go live in China for five years. We could go... Travel for a year and take a year off, even if we had kids. You have options. So many options. And I think seeing you're such an inspiration with taking your family traveling for so long. A little crazy. (laughs) I love it. It's super crazy. It's great. It's super crazy. But, I mean, I want to do all those things. Mm -hmm. And all of those things are possible. And we know that now. They are possible. They are possible. And I think the moment, you're right, the moment that you become a little bit more detached to these things, these confinements that were... Not even necessarily yours, right? They were right. given to you or, or you were mm. sort of forced is a strong word. but the society's confinement. Yes, you were put into that, right? So the moment you break out of that and think, hey, wait a minute, I can, I can guide this. I can make this choice. And I have options. Right. Knowing that you have options. You're bright, you're healthy, you're intelligent. I mean, there are options always. Right. You will always find a way to make it work. Eight years ago, I think it was eight years ago, I was working at the agency we all worked that mm-hmm. together for a while mm-hmm. and i was walking to work it was early in the morning and i bumped into a, a colleague of ours i think we all worked with him at the time michael francis i'll just name names yes yes and we were walking <clears throat> together for a while and speak said, of somebody unhinged <laughs> <laughs> well michael there you go in a good way. <laughs> we were walking together and he asked me just no we we're having a philosophical conversation because i can't help it mm-hmm. and he asked me you know what what makes you tick how come you're doing so well and i was like i didn't know i was doing well but you know michael <laughs> if you're really asking me you know what motivates me it's ultimately i just don't give a fuck about things right whether it's a career whether it's you know what route i take ultimately deep down inside and this is a philosophical um foundation i think everything is moral luck everything is deterministic luck we're like ping pongs in the universe. Wherever you find yourself, just get 
as much enjoyment as you can out of it. So if you have that and you don't think, oh my God, I could change my future, I could be a better marketer, or what can I do in order to improve my career? Just flow, be yourself, and ultimate. And then there was a book that just came out about a year about the subtle art of not giving a fuck. And I was yes. like, holy shit, Brilliant. you stole my life. That's my life. Somebody already wrote that. No. So ultimately, I think that's when people ask me, what is it about your character that's making you do this? And it's ultimately that. Because if one year later I fucked up my life, mm -hmm. I can't reconnect to whatever career I had, it'll be fine. You right. Know, I'll be everything you know, will work out. I'll be selling books at a used bookstore and I'll be happy reading and you know, doing my life. That sounds pretty nice actually. Yeah, and here's something else, yeah. guys. I mean, honestly, right? I mean you have to understand we we're privileged in a way, right? Yeah. Yes. That we, we realize that we have these options. And so I don't know. I feel like Success is also a total different. People define success different ways. Absolutely. And my idea of what success really is, is I think what I'm living right now. Mm -hmm. This you know, moment. I, yes. Mm -hmm. Where I, you know, taking that trip, I think, really sort of made us realize that, you know, many of the things in the confinements that people say, oh, you must have this in order to, you know, be successful or, right. you know, have some longevity in your career or whatever. This is bullshit. I mean, honestly, it's all bullshit. It is all bullshit. <laughs> There's an element of curiosity that I think is la we lack as a society. Yeah. You know, people don't question the very basic things like what makes me happy? What yeah. am I doing right now? Where am I going? And I think having curiosity is a huge part of what you're talking about, mm -hmm. um, being content with where things are in the moment and then being curious about, you know, why, mm -hmm. asking but you're, why. You're right, Rodrigo. Yeah. It's, it's treating your life as an experiment and blowing it up every so often and, and seeing where it takes you. But that you can only do that within a framework of some type of privilege because I mm -hmm. wouldn't be so flippant mm -hmm. about it. If I ended up in, you know, Tennessee coal mines in the rural country and Obviously. completely fucked up my life, then I wouldn't be so flippant about well, this behavior, right? So there's certain certain parameter that allows yes. us to do that. There's a right. framework. We have, we have the basics covered, essentially, mm -hmm. I would say. Right. And so this is where options come from, like, in a way, that you don't feel like you're actually trapped. Mm -hmm. the, the, the entrapment, I mean, that we might feel circumstantially by a job, by a relationship, whatever. If we had enough mobility, I guess, in our lives that makes you understand, hey, I can I can end this and you know, step up to something else. I mean you don't have to feel confined. Yeah. It's right. It's an and illusion. Another <laughs> thing I should give props to, it just occurred to me. I grew up well, I was born in New York City and I was moved by my parents to Mexico City at age two. My mom and my dad. My dad died when I was six. My mom decided to be a single mom living in Mexico City. She was a yoga instructor. She was an arranger of plants and offices. She was an arranger of architectural retail store window displays. That sounds awesome. She opened her own boutique, all in Mexico City in the 70s, 80s, and she still spends half her time there. This is a strong single mom with a single uh, only child. So there must be something around that, that kind of ruthlessness, sure. that kind Definitely. of, you know, expatriate life. What an experience, man. That I, mean, I think probably said it. I think. Mm -hmm. I think so, too. These molds, well, you know, these too. traditions. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, you came here, too. Like, it's that's true. brave to true. go somewhere totally new and See, start funny. a new life. You're right. You're right. Right. I think when people look mm -hmm. at me and think, oh, my gosh, you're integrated. You left your life and stuff. But I'm like, I was at that moment. So luck. Let's go back to luck a little bit, just for a little bit. 
There is privilege. And the luck, I guess, is part of it is just identifying that opportunity, I think. Right. You took advantage of, you know, things are given to you and you don't waste it, I guess. That's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say. Part of the privilege, I feel, this is a bigger discussion, but is if you are aware of your privilege, that's a good thing. You shouldn't mm -hmm. be, how can I say, wasted. Yeah. If you have it, if we're given this, mm -hmm. then make good use of it, right? Mm -hmm. Part of the problem with, I guess, privilege. A lot of people are privileged, right? Mm -hmm. But they don't, they just kind of like... They don't mm -hmm. know. They don't know any yeah. different. Or and they feel that regret at age 85 when asked, what what should you have done differently? It's not work so much. Right, right. It's <laughs> the most people, common answer. People who judge you, you know, all the time, and you have to create this sort of tough, I guess, how can I say, barrier, so you don't get affected by it. Because ultimately, you're the only person who can live your life. Right. But traveling does that, though. Yes, it, it does. You, you may have privilege, but you may not understand that until you see see the world. Yes. And see um, true poverty and <laughs> how other people live their lives. And then you can contrast that with your own. Definitely. I went to, uh, when I went to Rio, and I, you know, I grew up in Brazil, of course, and there's a lot of poverty. And I mean, like, I'm talking about abject poverty, like you see in India. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I know we have a, let's say, a homeless problem here in Seattle, and it's starting to look a little bit like that. Okay. But the fact that people here still have, I mean, this is the thing, is identifying that you still have some options. You could still work a minimum wage job and make a living, not mm -hmm. starve in the streets, right? What I'm trying to say mm -hmm. is people seem happy. Even, I mean, I could you not, guys? This is insane. But I, you know, I visited even like places in, in, in Rio, let's say, let's just get something that people understand can maybe relate to is the slums, okay, let's say in Rio, right? Like the people don't look stressed hmm. or horrible. I mean, you know, they have the basics covered and they're very, very, very basic covered, but they are mostly yeah. happy even and without a lot of physical, I mean, like mm -hmm. possessions and I mean, there's something about this love for life. Since, that is, since we're talking you know. about honesty, there is that danger because I, when I lived in Mexico, I sent something similar when, when, you know, I was uh, not just raised by my mother, but we had maid sure. had yes. folks yes. and that Same was thing. my, my raising experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to over romanticize it or, or sound tremendously aristocratic about it, but there is something you learn about that, which is the experience that people have with each other regardless of what job they have, what income they have, how they spend their time, how they squeeze out joy out of those small moments that are not related to social media watching, to your yes. Netflix stream, to your mm -hmm. film struck stream, to your going home every night and being able to watch Walking Dead and looking mm -hmm. at your phone and, and just that playing dominoes while fluorescent light is buzzing and from yes. 8 to 10 p.m. and talking to people and having a small amount of beer in order to make you happy. That's the shit right there that it's I true. remember. And when I'm home and I'm looking at a Netflix movie and trying to think, should we watch House Hunters International or should we go watch a documentary on Netflix? Priorities. Right? Priorities. Which is what allows you to have that freedom if things go to shit to know yourself well enough to know I'll be okay. I right. agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. And again, I don't want to sound like I'm this elitist bourgeois asshole. <laughs> like it's not what I'm saying. And people will think that anyway, but I think they yeah, are probably. Yeah. <laughs> I always think of you that way. Right? But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like I mean, it, it might come across kind of crass, 
But since you are being honest, mm-hmm. it's like I feel like we 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 judge, right? We we we. I mean, even us, we try so hard not to, but it's almost impossible. We have our filters, our cultural filters and stuff. And so I always look back and say, listen. I know people may look at Brazil. I mean, they have all kinds of misconceptions of what it is, but the bottom line is like that's one of the priorities. I feel like people just kind of want to be happy. Right. Globalization is changing this a little bit. I'm not going to lie, but you know, my references 25, 30 years ago, I guess, were that you know, even though it was tough, we had dictatorship and you know, switch to democracy like almost overnight. But it's like people, I don't know, they have a different sort of sense of how they want to live. Like mm-hmm. those are the things that are important, right? Right. Not so much the having the latest car or you know the latest iPhone mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, it's like it's having that openness know. of conversation, of interaction with other people, or with your partner, or being in a a place that fits your personality <laughs> or fits your need for a certain meteorological <laughs> mix. It's those little fundamental things that ultimately make you as happy, if not more, than. And we are adaptable. We are adaptable right. as human beings. As a, it's a survival instinct. You, you the must drop yeah. like the cat. You must, you must <laughs> well, adapt to your circumstances and try to make the best out of it so you can continue. But and happiness is part of it. It is. And I think that's why as we travel and come back, mm-hmm. we are able to have this point of view that is – what is all this money for? What yes. do, and you reset your your priorities. You're able to have a point of view that is a little bit more informed. Agreed. You have a little bit more information. So Agreed. we've been having Sinfandel wine. This is a transitional moment. And now I've opened a bottle of La Maldita Garnacha, <laughs> which is known to be a difficult grape. That's why it's called La name. Maldita. La Maldita is great. Right. I've been drinking one. it. <laughs> I'm looking at Carrie. Carrie has left a little wine in her glass. And oh. I don't know if it's because no. it's too much or okay. No, so we're now we're going to do the duck again. There's going to be a transitional moment. Rodrigo, you still I, has wine. I still have it. I, I, yeah. I I'm using right the, the aerator. It sounds like a duck that's very, it's sad and very whiny. It's, it's melancholy duck. A melancholy duck. Jo- yes. Yeah. That's a melancholy It's duck. the ennui of the ennui. privileged <laughs> life. So I, this, we've been talking about a theme that I wanted to talk about. When I tell people I'm doing this a lot of people said ah it's trump right (laughs) and i told them no this was happening even we were planning it even before trump and to be honest i thought hillary was gonna win but let's just say it greased the skids right (laughs) when we went to the consulate i think a lot of people in the consulate are looking at us like oh god God, another spanish consulate another visa another one we're trying to escape reality (laughs) right but what i want to ask you do you think that part of the motivation behind your your choice to do long-term travel has to do with dissatisfaction with the way things are in the u.s doesn't necessarily have to be political we talked about a lot of dissatisfaction culturally our choice to move to San Sebastian has to do with more personal psychological sure. reasons, mm-hmm. but I won't lie, the political fact is, is helping. Just right. <laughs> right. Uh, and one year from now, our plan is one year, but I deeply know deep inside that in one year I would like to extend it if necessary, even if something radical happens. I, I'm dissatisfied, mm-hmm. yeah. to be honest. Once yeah. you once you start in this pattern of like <laughs> I must break out of the you know whatever the situation I'm in, every so many years or whatever, every chance you have to go travel and right. learn and experience, that's very refreshing, dude. I mean, it's I think it is beyond the political situation. Like I just got my citizenship after being here for 23 years. That's right. And so people were like, "Why now?" <laughs> My wife, Gretchen's hilarious. She's like, I cannot believe she was angry at me. She's like, 
I can't believe you're just not doing this. You should have done this before so you could vote for Hillary. I'm like, <laughs> I know. And move to Wisconsin. But I, yeah. I actually thought she was going to win. Anyway, but I'm like, oh, my gosh. But had, see, this is exactly why I did it. This is exactly why I did it. I really love this country, honestly. And I think that um, it's my adoptive home. And it's the place where I built my life, my career, where I, where I have my wife, my children. And I have friends. And I'm just like... There is no reason why I shouldn't do it. Man, people have got so good here. Yeah. For the most part, yeah, it's pretty good. It is pretty good. Yeah. Well, let me be honest. I My philosophy of countries is, is a, I guess, a little more radical. I don't have loyalty to countries. I, I love loyalty. Loyalty. Tell cultures. us more about that. Right. But, yeah. but I want to know about that. <laughs> um, whether it's Hillary, whether it's Donald Trump, I, the whole notion of a country, of a nation state, if you think about human history, and especially in the 20th century, there was the Austrian-Hungary Empire, which became Austrian, became Hungary, right? States break up, they divide sure. because of cultural differences. You might Czech, happen here. Slovakia, that's my point. There's some sort of American mythology going on about exceptionalism and what a great country it is and democracy, and we're starting to see the underbelly of it emerge and the great blue wall, so to speak, on the West Coast and the East Coast, the coastal versus the flyover states. I think people should get used to the idea of in history, states have formed and broken up and yeah, divided. Absolutely. We're not Don't immune. be so strange to the idea that in 50, 100 years, you might have a, not a United States of America, but you might have. Cascadia. Cascadia. <laughs> Cascadia. <laughs> right? Yes. Yes. And oh. just be flexible about that thought. Sure. Uh, the whole notion of patriotism, the whole notion of standing for the national anthem. I know this is controversial. And pledging to the flag. Mm -hmm. right. It's just pledging so foreign to, to me. Flag? flag, you guys. Yeah. It's a symbol, right? But it's, it's a still, symbol, but, it, but still. it's a big deal. People need to kind of take a step back, I think, and mm -hmm. think a little bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> Travel does that to you. Anyway. I'm with you, though, right? Like, yeah. it, it's interesting. Like, we're all humans. We're all people. Mm -hmm. We all look a little different. We all sound a little different. Yeah. But I have empathy for people all over the world. We're all people. Like, I want us to all be in this together. And countries create these mm -hmm. artificial barriers. Yeah. And it's, it's, they are all mechanisms of control, in my opinion, of social <laughs> control, right? Yes. Um, the whole propaganda. Nobody's immune to this. No country is, really. Um, but I look at the U.S. and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, there's still so much potential. So much potential. But this may be growing pains. I'm kind of an optimist. I mean, I think this is bad right now. But mm -hmm. in a way, I'm almost like, I'm almost glad mm -hmm. that this dirt is finally out. Maybe mm -hmm. it has always been swept under it's the rug. piercing Maybe. the mythology. But yes. it's curiosity, right? Mm -hmm. yes. I'm going to question this. I'm not going to take this mm -hmm. at face value. You know? Yeah, I agree. It's It's... Part of it, I feel, is just part of a process of just growing, maturing. I feel like we are a sort of like a teenage country, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, maybe we need this process of transformation well, to another, sort of get somewhere else better. If people ask me, you should stay in this country and fight for what you think oh. is right. I don't have that impact in me. I don't have that impulse, I should say, in me. Maybe it's because I lived in Mexico and, and moved around, but the whole notion of loyalty to a country is so foreign to me I'm, I'm the cultural feel of a place is much more important whether you want to call it the united states or cascadia whether you want to call it spain or the basque country it's our regionalisms that attract me more and i guess that's 
part of the bug to travel and, mm -hmm. and, and experience these things. I think we're all citizens of the world, okay, in a way. Right, <laughs> right. too easy. <laughs> no, I, I, I yeah. do understand the loyalty, okay? I do understand that I love my country. This is where I built my life. Even more, I chose to be here. Right. And so, to me, it's a slightly different, I mm -hmm. guess, impact, yeah. right? But I agree with you. I think that these loyalties and stuff, it's a little bit of propaganda, a it's a bit. little bit of manipulation and, you know, yes, you should love your country and you should value what you have. But at the same time, it's just like, it's not all, again, mechanisms of like trying to confine you, you know, into a, a notion, an idea, whatever, ideology, whatever it is. Um, you shouldn't feel the pressure to, like, no. abide. It's I mean, a way for us to divide, you know, each mm -hmm. other. Yeah. Um, and to sort of put barriers where there aren't barriers. Like, oh, you look different than me. You speak a different yeah, language. Then we're not the same. Yeah, it's more segregating. I can't empath empathize with you. See, so there's two things that are missing in the world, I'll tell you what. is empathy and context. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't think humans are 100% capable of real empathy. It takes a lot of effort because we can't be in each other's heads right. to really get there and understand where people are coming from, right? I try really hard not to pass judgment. I mean, I, I joke, obviously, but like if, if I see somebody like, you know, having an opinion that's so completely, I might judge it and think, oh my God, that's so ignorant. My goodness, have you stopped to think about A, B, C, D? But I try not to judge. <laughs> right. I think we all try. Yeah, I try really hard. It's just like, we don't know what's going on in that person's life and heart and it's 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 very complicated but again let's go back to travel which is traveling makes you really open up i make i feel like i make a lot more of an effort now to mm -hmm. try to see where people are coming from why why is this actually coming from where is the origin of this thought or this why is this person judging this way i mean i don't know why well, this person has his opinion our country is so big yeah it's basically like a couple of different countries right culturally regions, yeah I mean, we, all, we have different opinions, different mm -hmm. ideas about politics and culture and everything. And so when you go somewhere else to travel, you sort of immediately are drawn to wanting to understand. Yes. And because we're all American, I don't think we have that same level of openness that happens when you're traveling. True. So now you have a little bit more of that. Like, okay, well, tell me. I want to understand why this person is feeling this way. Yes, you're there, right. There's a certain paradox, I think, because when you travel and when you've lived in many countries, people say, oh, there's a certain sophistication or cosmopolitanism there. But now that I think about my past and about who I am, I've always, and people have described me this way, especially my wife. I'm. That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> important revelation. <laughs> yeah. There's a certain naivete to me. There's a certain, she almost describes me as borderline Asperger's <laughs> syndrome, which is... I don't care about the social mores associated with a digital marketing agency. I don't care about the social mores associated with, with cliques in high school. I just, and this is why I became a philosopher. I just want to know what's, what's the truth or what's the motivation. So there's this certain innocence mm -hmm. and lack of propriety and just asking what's the source. I'm kind of the same way. <laughs> what works out. And I think this is related to people who really want to travel and explore. There's a certain naivete and a certain openness and yes. because the more sophisticated and cosmopolitan you are the more you arguably entrench yourself as well into yes. a certain world view um so you're always open and on the other side you're always 
exploring. You don't. You ask the dumb question. You're not afraid right, of asking right. the dumb question at mm-hmm, the meeting mm-hmm. with twelve people around the table. Because if you don't ask the dumb question, then you're wasting an hour because everybody is insecure in asking the dumb question. Yeah, it's another right? kind of fun. It's so true. Mm-hmm. It is totally true. Let's just be honest right away, so we don't waste anybody's time. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad. No. I mean, actually, I feel like it cuts through the crap, the noise. I don't <laughs> think there is. Uh, people should ask more questions. I agree. And you know, there's the bluster of authority and of yes. senior designer and mm-hmm. associate creative director and creative director. Right? There's the whole <laughs> so hierarchy. many layers. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So many layers. Yes, mm-hmm. like, but that's beyond marketing. I just made that as an illustration. But no, it's, I understand. It's a general philosophical. Point. With all these layers, people need this sort of like mm-hmm. sense of knowing where they belong. Like nowadays, I feel, for instance, it's like this abundance of labels mother of god i can't even like keep track of everything and, and there's a certain purity um here's another story my wife and i met on match.com back in 2004 mm-hmm. and i told her i wrote my match.com profile to repel not to attract beautiful because, strategy right <laughs> it's a beautiful yeah 99 percent of the people who wouldn't like what i wrote is precisely what i don't want to waste my time with so the 1% that comes through, okay, now we're talking. What a calculated effort. Right. <laughs> I would love to read that, actually. <laughs> Me too. I would love to read that profile. That. God, I hope it's gone. Um, <laughs> I think it had to do with Tarkovsky movies. Nothing, and nothing on the internet is ever completely gone. <laughs> yeah, there's the Wayback Machine. But I have a yes. point here. <laughs> it's leading that life that way. Instead of trying to bend and you know fit into the mold, just, it sounds so cliche, just be yourself because it filters out all the bullshit. That's and it just true. has a signal that you care about, whether it's travel, whether it's people you care about, and the rest just falls aside, either by their own choices <laughs> yes. or your own, right? The natural yeah. filter. But I was always like that a little bit. You know, I always use the excuse of, I'm from Brazil, so here's with you. <laughs> I'm say, not from around here. This is how we do Tell, things. I'm yeah. just a simple Sorry. caveman. <laughs> yeah. but I gotta, I'm used to kissing everyone on the mouth. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But it's like kind of like that, really, in a way. It's like, you know, I'm sorry, this is kind of how I'm used to do things. And so, but it would be like, we are more open, right? I guess when you when you decide that you're going to exercise a little bit more honesty. Right. Try to get to the bottom of it. Like, what is it really? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that's actually extremely positive. I do really appreciate that about John, my husband. He will ask... All of the questions, mm-hmm. every question, and he just wants to know, like, mm-hmm. why is it this way? Why do you think this? Mm-hmm. And um, I do a lot more listening. He does a lot of questioning, so it's kind of a good a good combo. But awesome. at, you know, you experience that coming here, like you were saying. I'm not from around here, and you, when you travel, you can go somewhere else and say, "But why do you do it this way?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. And no one who lives there would ever think to ask that question. Yeah, it's true. You know, but there's something about that openness, that innocence, that I am not afraid to be judged. Mm-hmm. Because of my question is not sophisticated enough that it endears you to other people, to be honest about it. You're oh, trying to get information. Bless right? his heart. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. but, but it's a good way to, to be, I think. I it think is a so great too. way to be. Just be yourself. Why, thank you. So, I agree. As, as we're nearing, I think, the end of this, because this is, who knows how long this is going to be. I have a question for both of you. Okay. Are you ready? I'm going to read it. Ready. Are we ready? Sure. You guys kind of know me a little. What words of wisdom tailored to who you think I am (laughs) would you give me? Because you've done, Rodrigo has done it around the world with a whole family. You have gone to, Carrie has gone to Namibia for a year. She's gone to China. She's gone all over the place. She's lived in Alaska as a pilot husband and so on. And I'm about to embark 
in this. I've outed myself to the world and here I go and doing, doing my own. Given who I am, what, what advice do you have? Or if it's not advice, something else. In Brazil, we say that um, if advice was really good, we would charge for it. Mm. But now you have so much good wine. So I gave I you did give us right. food. Yes. And wine, yeah. <laughs> Meaning that it costs. There's mm -hmm. a price for mm -hmm. advice in a way. Mm. But what do you think, Carrie? I think a little bit what we were just talking about. Like you need to follow your heart. No, it has to be more. No, I don't specific? like that advice. Okay, okay. Yeah, follow my heart is kind of like a motivation. Well, I think poster. you need to follow, like, yeah. you need to decide what brings you joy on a daily basis and do that. And I think it's okay if it's sitting in your bathrobe until noon. <laughs> Honestly. You're coming the Big Lebowski of Spain. I agree. The Big Lebowski so of Spain. Awesome. I think mm -hmm. we need to come up with a different name, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's taken. But honestly, like, it. when do you get to choose what you do to make you happy every day? I mean, you, you'll get to choose every day what you're going to do. Um, and you get to choose something that's going to bring you joy. So. I think it's okay that that thing might not sound exciting or it might be kind of silly, but mm -hmm. you should just do that. Mm -hmm. That's awesome, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's like you were talking about interviewing people and talking to people about um, the place that you're in, and even if it seems trivial or whatever, like you should, you should yeah. just do that. Ask all the questions that mm – -hmm that you want yeah i definitely want to scratch the surface mm -hmm. and beyond of san sebastian and explore mm -hmm. expose that and explore that mm -hmm. that's what's I, driving me i think you shouldn't be worried about trying to like i don't know find a, more about yourself i guess you were kind of concerned about what kind of people am i going to turn what kind of person am i going to turn into right mm -hmm. um as yourself and as a couple i guess this is also kind of important right Mm -hmm. uh, there's so many layers, right? I suppose. Like, <laughs> go, go, it's a really Rodrigo, hard go. question. <laughs> no, no, right. But yeah. I think you just—it's hard. I know you. I know you like to compartmentalize things, for mm -hmm. instance, right? Yeah. But maybe, maybe you should try to just sort of like be open, 100% open. No mm -hmm. compartments. Try not to compartmentalize so much. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about that actually because my wife was asking me, "Has it hit you yet?" And I'm thinking, "God, honestly, it hasn't," because I'm just doing task by task by task. Once all the tasks are gone and I'm there, hopefully I'll feel it. But yeah. I've been thinking I should be able to feel the little no, the successes and the not necessarily the excitement a little bit. I mean, it feels like this was a gradual. I mean, it's not like gradual, but you know, step by step type of thing, right? So maybe, maybe it was so gradual in a way that you couldn't quite feel. Like it was yeah. similar to me when we were like, "Wow, we are actually kind of going." But we're getting on me. the plane now, yes. right? It wasn't yeah. until I actually landed in Peru and we were like, "All right, this is." definitely a new reality and so I, I you just have to sort of it will hit you i think you will have this moment where you're just like this is really happening mm -hmm. this is really happening mm -hmm. and then it's it's not super amazing for you to be like hyper aware of every step and this is how i got here and stuff i mean we might have a tendency to sort of overanalyze the process to try to understand but i think it will just come to you honestly there will be some moment where you are in your big Lebowski <laughs> robe and you are, you know, I don't know, at the beach drinking coffee, whatever it is, you're going to be like... White Russian. A white Russian, yeah. yes, mm -hmm. much better. Yeah. But you would be like, oh, this is, this is, wow, this is, this is, I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm here, this is happening. I just, yeah, this is all an opportunity for like growing. The self-knowledge just kind of comes. 
Do you, Eric, do you journal normally? You a journaler? No, I don't. That's a great I, You know point. what I do? I Historically, <laughs> when I travel, I write the places I've been to yeah. sequentially, but I don't write narratives around it. And then 10 years later, in some cases 20 years later, I open the notebook and look at the places and it's like little origami or accordions that just unfold in my memory and create sort of like that emotional sensory perception back. I somehow, and maybe this is me trying to get over myself, if I write a narrative form about journaling, it actually dilutes the experience. There's something about just compact logging that is more interesting. I do think for me, I was just... um, the other day reading back to journal entries that I'd written while we were living in mm-hmm. and maybe, and I do this once in a while where I go back and I just sort of flip through journal entries and I don't journal every day or anything like that. It's not a, mm-hmm. a regular thing, but it's, it is interesting to go back and be able to see, uh, it doesn't have to be a long narrative, but just to see where your head was at, mm. at that time. And I think that's really valuable. Yes. And especially when you're, embarking on such a new like life-changing experience like what you're doing Mm. doesn't seem to be very valuable to just write down i went to breakfast and i had this whatever coffee Mm -hmm. and and but but when you look back on it two or five or ten years later it will have some meaning Mm -hmm. that i think will be really interesting whether the meaning is remembering it or remembering how naive i was either way there's value in extracting that you don't need to record the narrative as if someone who doesn't know you would understand the complete experience because Agreed. you will have that mm-hmm. complete experience in your, in your memory. Mm-hmm. But what I'm hearing is uh, beyond podcasting video and photography, do something personal because to be honest, when I'm 80, I might be adult <laughs> right? <laughs> and to just see a location might not trigger that type of nostalgia or melancholy or whatever it is I'm trying to recreate, but to have a little more narrative or prose around it. Right. <laughs> And, put it and it will it will be something that seems very normal to you at the time. Agreed. Yeah. I went. I walked down the street. I went to a cafe. I went to this. Went to the beach or whatever. And you'll be sitting somewhere completely different reading that, and it won't be normal anymore. Mm-hmm. And that will be really special. And that's good Agreed. to know because I suffer from it. Has to be momentous. It has to be right. something important. <laughs> that's how that I was... am. It has to be something really central yeah. to my personality that I can read later and go, huh, oh, no. insightful. That's a paralyzing way to view journaling. <laughs> I guess it is. <laughs> You'll that's never, never do it, it then. That's why I've never done it because I have that view. Such a huge expectation <laughs> what it might trigger and what it might do to you. <laughs> I actually went back and read some journals from when I was like 10. Wow. And they are hilarious because oh, it's gosh. just a recording of like what I did that day. Like mm-hmm. I had I breakfast. <laughs> Here's what I did. I came home from school. I mean, it's just ridiculous. But also gives a little window into my life. It's pragmatic, though. But it, you're right. And, like, this is how I was at 10. I cared about these things. Why am I writing this? Thing? <laughs> Why anyway, did I write I that down? Saying, yeah. I came a long way. This is really great. <laughs> no, I'm just like, I agree. I mean, there is meaning. That was your mindset when you wrote that or when right. you experienced that. I mean. Get your yayas out. Uh-huh. And yes. I agree. Just write some dumb stuff down. All right. It won't be dumb in 10 years. Rodrigo, give me your glass. It's going to be a transitional moment. Is the duck going to like... The duck is going to quack. Groan. Quack. Because we're winding down. All right. That is a great noise. Yeah. Carrie, I'm going to duck you. 
Well, Carrie, for real, we have to get together some other time. We never, next time I'm in Portland, I would love to hear more about Namibia. I mean, this is a place I actually am super curious about going. Oh, you should go. We were going to go to Africa, but we had they had the uh, Ebola outbreak. So it was oh, super yeah. hard for us to even get a visa or something and go. Um, so we stuck to South Africa, which was fantastic. It was mm-hmm. a great entry, I guess, way of... Africa sort of 101. Like, yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's really just scratching the surface. For sure. For I feel sure. like we've just scratched the surface and we've seen, you know, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would love to talk about that because Africa is a place that I would absolutely love to spend a whole year just Oh, you around. should. We yeah. debated like buying a like four by four vehicle and driving through the continent, which people do. That requires some pretty substantial planning, mm-hmm. but people do it. Mm-hmm. They do. They do. Mm-hmm. And this is the other thing I was gonna say is like it's not that uncommon. There are thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who have chosen travel as a way of like mm-hmm. life. Yeah. Nomads. Just continuing it. Yeah. I follow a bunch of people on Instagram too, you know, that have had mm-hmm. have inspired us to do the same. It's not impossible at all. It's yeah. it's one hundred percent possible. I have a um we have a couple of friends who also are very inspirational and met us in Turkey when we were traveling and they are still they still haven't bought a home. They're still moving around. They're in the US and they have a business that travels around. She does um, she, she goes to conferences and speaks about Montessori education and stuff. It's wonderful. But that's that that's their lifestyle. It changed right. their lives. Traveling changed the way they see the world. They don't need this like, you know, these roots they're so deep that you can't let like, go of my house or my car or whatever. It's very fluid. Mm-hmm. But they're so happy, you guys. It's I'm like, it's doable. A lot of people are out it's there. It's totally doable. Doing it. I love the idea of even just, even if you do want to put roots down, mm-hmm. just challenging what that looks like. Yeah. See, that's you know? another thing too. It doesn't have to be roots in a nine to five, mm-hmm. in yeah, a car, in a house. So that's interesting. What does, what, what does an alternative putting the root down in a non-traditional work look like? For me, it looks like potentially maybe you own a house, maybe not, but mm-hmm. you have a base, a home base. And you take chunks of time off and maybe you come home for a while, but mm-hmm. maybe not. Mm-hmm. But having the flexibility and the, the frame of mind to say, we're going to go live in Alaska for a year and we're going to rent our house out and then we're going to stay home for five years, but we're going to take, you know, a three week vacation here and there. Just yeah, having the ability to make lifestyle choices where you can do those things because yes. it's not buying a new car every year mm-hmm. or buying, you know, I agree. I agree. Uh, upgrading everything. It's you make, you have to make sacrifices yes. in order to make that lifestyle work. Mm-hmm. It's priorities. Again, right. it's just priorities. My wife and I, we were always the same way, which is I don't want the latest car. I don't want the latest whatever gadget, but we saved money. We were right. really thinking we want experiences because you know, this physical, all these physical things just stay behind when you die. Right. You know, like those, I feel like those experiences, there's a reason for it, right? And it sticks to you and it's embedded in your soul. I really, really believe that. Mm-hmm. It shapes who you are. And so, yeah, I couldn't even imagine right. <laughs> not doing something like that. I think it's about making a life, lifestyle choices about how you spend your money, really. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, and yeah. what you do with your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there are options. It hasn't been, oh my gosh, we're so global. 
It's a global village. The world's a global really village. There's that digital nomad group that yes. gets together and they do all the cruises and stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of ways you can do mm -hmm. this. But you have this. to give up some security. Mm -hmm. Yes. You have to be comfortable with sort of ambiguity. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So when I'm in, in San Sebastián, Spain, I was flirting with the idea of putting up sexy voiceover services. Yes. We I'm talked about this. Mm -hmm. You have. <laughs> So that wasn't very sexy to everybody. Glad. That it was not sexy. No. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's just trying to exemplify your sexy voice, or which is it, working. Yeah, in order to work for me. Thank I you. I think I'm getting old. That's our coffee. Sorry. I think that's an amazing idea. Voiceover talent. You could totally do it. You have an amazing voice. So I support that. I was just digging for that compliment. Yeah. And you were bilingual. Yeah. Ooh. Mm -hmm. So, Carrie, what's next? What What are your plans? What it doesn't have to be sharp plans. What's what are you thinking? Well, um, I would like to finish the book that I'm working on, so I'm going to have some time at the beginning of the year to do that. Mm -hmm. And um, after that, it's very it's very vague. Mm -hmm. That's that's really where my head's at right now is just finishing the project that I'm working on um, and taking some time off from uh, agency life from nine to five and doing some contract work. I mm -hmm. mean, I think that is where my place is. And so just looking for a little bit more flexibility uh, in my life so that John and I can travel more. But given what we've talked about, I, vague is okay. Vague it is okay. Like, yeah. How about you, Rodrigo? What's, I love that. I love that you said that. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm okay with vague as well. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I'm finally at 47. Super comfortable with this this workflow that I have, which is 100% flexibility. I work mm -hmm. from home, and I have spurts of work, and then I have spurts of just I'm taking it easy. And that's how I work the best and how I'm more productive. And you know that about yourself. I do, and so it's amazing. It took a long time to get here. And I think it was doing the traveling that I actually learned this about myself. Um, you know, I've always been kind of a people pleaser, uh, and, and 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 to arrive at a place where I feel comfortable, that I just have to do what's right for us, right, in the family and all, is is wonderful. It's actually really amazing. So, what's next? I don't know. I know that Gretchen and I definitely, <laughs> definitely want to travel. Now that you are going to San Sebastian, we have been thinking about in the next few years doing the Camino de Santiago, mm. the two of us. Yes. Mm -hmm. I really would love to do the whole thing. Sounds actually. incredible. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. They say that, you know, if you don't know yourself, this is your chance. You will. <laughs> how, long, how long does it take? It might take six weeks, they say okay. sometimes. Um, you, you you can do it at different in a different pace, I suppose. We're well, not very fit. I'm 47. Yeah, well, by it's the time just walking. I do it, yeah, well, but some, sometimes you do 25 kilometers a day. It's, and, it's probably mm -hmm. more. There's a lot. In, yes, it's a lot up here in the head. Yes, for sure. But it's also, they say it's an opportunity for self-knowledge because you are mm. sort of, um, you deprive yourself of all these physical things and you're just there doing this peregrination and trying yeah. to sort of... Thinking yeah, all day. Thinking, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of self-reflection. Mm -hmm. Um um, it's something we, it's always been on our radar. So I think that might be what we might do hmm. soon. <laughs> yeah. Keep us posted. Yes. And in my case, as listeners know, we're moving this whole production over to San Sebastián, Spain, and the whole focus will shift. I think, uh, you know, I was born in New York, grew up in Mexico City, then was shipped over to the United States for college and working life. And it feels to me that that those 20 plus years of college and working life 
ultimately are now on autopilot and inertia. So this is a breakage of that in order to see what's next. And hopefully people will follow. So thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Rodrigo. And let's do the chin chin in the middle. Thank you. And thank, thank you for you. listening. Hopefully it wasn't too self-indulgent. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay if it's self-indulgent. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it's true. We should be okay with that. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share, like, or leave a review on iTunes about this podcast, since all of this activity helps us get noticed and grow. I would also love it if you visited thismustbetheplace.io, where more podcasts, videos, and written content live. On that site, you will be able to find out more about Rodrigo and Carrie, along with links that are relevant to the themes we discussed. A special thanks to The Peculiar Pretzelman for allowing me to use their track, Burn Your House Down, during the intermission. As always, you can subscribe and receive the latest greatest episode on your favorite app and device. Until the next time, and the next time will be from San Sebastián Donostia, this must be the place.